Hello there, and welcome back to the chat shit, get fitness. I fucked already. <laughs> Is that what you always say, chat so, shit, no, get sorry. Fit, fitness? No, the fitness news, sorry. I've missed out the... So you fu- you sabotage me on purpose. Well, because I- <laughs> no, I've not gone to read it again. You've laid down the cow chops for me here, mate. <laughs> you've intro, you've mate. done me a waiting. pungy statement. The listeners are waiting for us to start the episode. You need to do the intro properly, God. Hell, what did I say? Chat shit, get fit news? No, the fit... No. The fitness well, news. Chat shit, get fit. The fitness news, yeah. And the rest should be all right. God, it's like being on stage again at primary school. <laughs> Hello there, and welcome back to the chat shit. I've just done it again. <laughs> Double whammy. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> come on, mate. People are going to start turning off in a minute. <laughs> Fucking hell. You could do this, Tom. You're better than everyone else. Right. Hello there, and welcome back to the fitness news, where we unpack this week's biggest news in health and fitness. I'm Bill, and as always, I'm joined by Tom. <laughs> Say hello, Tom, in brackets. <laughs> You read it, you fucking dickhead. Hello, Tom. Something didn't feel right about that. What went wrong? <laughs> Not the name, mate. Oh, my Hang God. On. Yeah, we'll go with that. You're Bill, I'm Tom. Yes, well done, mate. Yeah. Right, for real now. Hello there, and welcome back to the Fitness News, where we unpack this week's biggest news in health and fitness. I'm Tom, and as always, I'm joined by Bill. Hello there. And um, this is the first time I've done the greeting for the podcast, so that should give you a bit of like a insight into how this week's episode is going to go. So if you want to turn off now, I, I wouldn't blame you. <laughs> go listen yeah. to some BBC Sport, a nice audible book maybe. I mean, ideally you'd stay around. Be... <laughs> I don't think the algorithm would appreciate if you if you all tune out. <laughs> right, I need to get back in the zone here, Tom. Let me get back in and we're going to try and entice the viewers to stay along. So guys, welcome back. Um, this week is all about building muscle, as the title might have suggested. So if you want to build muscle, you have come to the right place because what we're going to be doing is summarising a lot of new data that's come out regarding building muscle and or getting stronger because they are, they're not exactly the same, but they are normally, you know, hand in hand, yeah, hand in hand kind of normally happens at the same time ish. Um, so what I'd probably suggest doing, if you can grab a pen and paper, um, cause they're going to probably be some nuggets of information you're going to want to jot down. Yeah. If you're in the car, grab your pen and paper, you know, keep driving, you ain't got to stop, just balance it on the wheel. If you're in the car, especially a long journey, I, I, I reckon gold standards, just keep listening to this over and over again until you can recite it word for word. Not only will you have all the knowledge you need, but the algorithm will think, wow, this is such a good episode and it will just get pushed everywhere. It'll be great. It will. So what do we have to do next? Uh, let's get into it. Yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing good. I feel, like good. The, I feel like an apprentice, you know, or work experience, boy. <laughs> okay, guys, first up, we have got a huge, and I mean huge, new paper, which is essentially the largest synthesis of the evidence on how different loads, sets and frequencies of resistance training affect building strength and muscle. Yeah, it's a thick paper, Bill. It's a thick paper. It's a very thick paper. Um, the title of the paper, which, which would actually be quite handy, wouldn't it, is Resistance Training Prescription for Muscle Strength and Hypertrophy in Healthy Adults, a Systematic Review and Bayesian Network Meta-Analysis. I think we've mentioned that before, isn't it? It's very mathy, isn't it? Bayesian yes. meta-analysis is basically a lot to do with maths. So yeah, Not my strong point. Yeah, <laughs> but there are words in this. 
There are words in this. It's not just numbers. Don't worry. Uh, so what we'll do, because we're looking at quite a few studies today, we won't break down in full detail. We'll basically go through some key takeaways of all the studies yeah. we're looking at, just because it's more useful for you anyway. If you want to get you know balls deep into it, we'll link them anyway, so you can read it. But yeah, we'll keep it nice and concise. So there was a lot of conditions that this paper looked at. So I'm going to go through them because I think it makes it quite relevant, especially when we look at sort of a little table about them. So they've got acronyms for all of them. CTRL control so that's the non-exercise control group so basically this is how they this is what they compared all of the different you know sets loads frequency blah, all, all the different things com- combinations they compared that to a non-exercise control group to see the difference right um, we've then got LS1 which is lower load single set exercise one day um, a week resistance training so quite minimal um, then obviously LS2 which is two days a week LS3, three or more, um, once again, lower load. We then go on to LM1, which is it's the same as the other one, so it's lower load, but it's multiple sets, exercise one day a week. Then LM2, multiple sets. So if you, let me just rewind quickly. So obviously the S indicates single set. M is obviously multiple set. Okay, so they're doing more than one set. LM1 is obviously one day a week. LM2 is two days a week. LM3, three, uh, three or more, right? So the two lower load. We then go to the H's. So this is higher load. So HS1, if you can guess, you might be really quick on this. Higher load single set, one day a week. HS2. HS2. It's cancelled. It's been cancelled. <laughs> God, American list is probably what we're talking about. Um, higher Don't load. Don't worry about it. Inside joke. <laughs> Inside joke. Uh, HS2, higher load, single set, two days a week. HS3, higher load, single set, three or more. And then HM1 you can probably guess now, is higher load but multiple sets, one day a week, HM2, two days a week, HM3, three or more, right? What they're looking at there is they've got lower or higher load, single or multiple set, and then it's up. To, it's one, two, or three or more days a week. And they're, all, they're comparing all of this to a control group, which was non-exercise, right? And obviously they're controlling each other. Um, well, if we look at the key takeaways after all this comparison they've done in the big paper, one of the things that obviously sticks out, which is quite obvious, we hope, for our regular listeners anyway, so you get stronger, you need to lift heavier weights. That's quite a simple conclusion they've come to, which is something I think we've known for a very long time. If you want to get stronger in a certain movement, you have to lift heavier. But obviously the key thing for that is you do it in a progressive nature. Yes. You don't so just go So increasing it over time. Yeah, exactly. Um, using things, you know, you obviously you can use percentages or I know you're quite, you like using RPE, which is obviously very mm-hmm. good. Um, but basically, you're just lifting heavier over time, but in a, a way that you're not overreaching. So you're not going from like, I don't know, let's say you're doing a 100 kilo deadlift on the Monday, and you just decide to do 200 on the Wednesday. That'd yeah. be fucking insane. Whilst understanding as well that progress isn't linear, you can have ups and yeah, downs. Absolutely. absolutely. But what matters is that after a, you know, a decent amount of time, it could be anywhere, it could be like a month, it could be probably two mm-hmm. months, it could be two yeah. weeks, you know, then it has progressed from your day one, basically. I think that's really important, actually, is that people forget that, is that you normally when people look at progressive overload in terms of getting stronger they'll think okay each week they're going to add a little bit of weight or whatever they're going yeah. to change something slightly but some weeks you might have to stay the same yeah exactly um, that or you might have to you might have to regress a bit maybe you have to do like a deload week and once again deloads they're not linear you don't have to do them at the same time every single week yeah they don't have to be every four weeks as some people like people to believe they can be whenever you feel like it let's say you've been training eight weeks solid and suddenly you think oh you know what i'm feeling pretty beat up after the last eight weeks i need to have a week where i'll take things but that's fine yeah it's absolutely fine so yeah that's a key takeaway we spoke about it numerous times but yeah that's <laughs> i think quite an obvious one uh another key takeaway which you'd think is quite obvious 
anything will be better than nothing. So i.e. Yeah. the control group. Anything is better than that control group when they did no exercise. And it appears that the minimal effective dose of actually stimulating, you know, decent muscle growth, strength growth, is two sets two times a week. Which is quite doable. <laughs> which is very doable, yeah. That, I'm assuming they good. mean two sets, you know, per muscle group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah not just, just to clarify two, that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, two sets per muscle group twice so a week. So it's not just your two, you know, two bench press, go home. <laughs> yeah go home yeah and you can uh, simplify that into two push two pull two lower body but the key to those is obviously it's the way you do those if you just did two sets of i don't know 20 percent if you want rm you're probably not going to feel much unless you absolutely do loads of reps because the yes. key is lifting close to failure with these various moving patterns um is what's kind of going to be the best option there so why it might only seem okay two sets two times a week is not a lot you're going to be lifting quite close to failure on those so it's going to be quite fatiguing I mean, really, if we if we look at if, if if we kind of summarize that a bit more, I would recommend. Obviously, they said two sets two times a week, but I'd probably recommend is lifting close to failure with the various moving patterns. So your push, your pull, your squat, lunge, hinge, all of those. A few yeah. few sets, a few times a week. You don't have to hit failure every time. That's obviously important to, to know. You haven't got to go to failure. However. There is some nuance. Be useful every now and again. <clears throat> yeah, there is some nuance because if you're an experienced lifter. I feel like sometimes it's needed to break through that plateau. Yeah. I don't want you to think that you only have to ever get close to failure and you'll just keep progressing forever and ever and ever. If you ever get to a point where you're plateauing, sometimes that's a, a that's, a, that's, a, that's after a year, for example, you feel, like, oh, bloody I've plateaued after a year. Wow. That's maybe an opportunity then to maybe start hitting failure to see if yeah. it'll break through. And then you can go back to lifting close again. But sometimes it's useful as a tool to uh, to push on. I mean, if, you, if you're training did revolve around training close to failure and not actual failure, then we do kind of know that it's you can't judge it accurately 100%. No. So if we were using something like RPE, where we was purposely training towards RPE 8, let's say, we was purposely training each set having maybe two reps left in the tank, training to failure every now and again can help you actually calibrate your perception of RPE. Because if you've been... I'm going to put a number at my arse here. But let's just say you've been doing... 100 kilos on a deadlift, you know, for one rep. And you've been doing that for a while now and you're always saying to yourself after the session, yeah, that felt like an RP8. I mean, I could have done two more reps of those. Well, every now and again, this is where an AMRAP, as many reps as possible, might come in handy. You're going to set aside one day where you're going to go, okay, sod it, I'm going to go ball to the wall. And I'm just going to, with 100 kilos on the bar, I want to complete as many deadlifts as possible. So bearing in mind, you've had the previous belief that you could do one and have two left in the tank. But one day you come into the gym and you manage to hit, you manage to hit six reps in total. Well, you've been seriously misjudging your RPE, you know. So it can be useful to train to failure every now and again. Obviously, mention those acronyms. I've also got a lovely little table here, which I'm going to just pull up. It's actually on the actual paper. So give me a second. So on the actual paper, you'll be able to see if you click the link in the show notes. There is uh, this exact table. So. They did on this systematic review of it. They basically broke it down into strength and hypertrophy two tables, and they had all of the different conditions ranked um, with a probability. And um, basically, however that came up on the probability was the effectiveness of it compared to the control. Obviously, the control is like the bottom, right, zero percent. Um, what we can see is quite interesting. I think this is where they got the two sets from. Is if we look at strength, the top three were HM three, HM two, HM one which was high load, multiple sets. 
three times a week, two times a week, one times a week, which I think makes I sense. Expect that. Yeah, because you're trying to build strength. Um, so your load is obviously going to be more. What we can notice there is that the difference between two sets, uh, um, sorry, two times a week and three times a week is not a lot. Mm. So that could be quite interesting. That could be quite food for thought there for people maybe on less time availability. They haven't got as many days in the week to train. Yeah. They can get away with they could get away with it with two days a week. Multiple sets obviously, but two days a week they can get away with as opposed to three. One day a week, it does drop a bit, so doesn't seem to be as effective. But two days seems to be the sweet spot there, really, in terms of time efficiency. And then obviously then we go to single set, high load, that's really low. And then obviously low load is also very is one of them. I mean, low uh, low load multiple sets three times a week was literally zero percent. <laughs> so I mean we've spoken before, haven't we, how um the frequency, the fre- when we say frequency, we basically mean how many days you train. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so a frequency of one would be you literally train one day a week. You know, the the frequency of three here would be where well, you're training three days a week. The frequency isn't that important. However, if, for example, you was training for hypertrophy where you might benefit from more reps and sets in general then it's better to increase the frequency if you can because you can actually spread those sets out throughout the week. But what Sorry. I do like about this table and the paper in general is that it does show that, you know, you can take several different paths to get to the same destination. Same. Yeah, absolutely. And particularly in the current day and age with uh, social media where it's full of, <laughs> I like how this term is catching on now, optimal bros. Optimal bros, yeah. Optimal bros are the guys that are saying, like, you have to do this one thing to, you know, build muscle. Or or you, you should not do an exercise in this certain way, otherwise it's pointless, X, Y, Z. Um, actually, you know, we can... <laughs> there's a lot of different tools in the toolbox we can use here, you know, yeah. in regards to frequency, sets, you know, exercise selection. I do have my preferences for strength versus hypertrophy, etc., but yeah, there's like lots of different paths we can take here. Yeah, which is which is really good to see. Uh, cool. Uh, so that's obviously a big paper. It kind, I mean, re- in reality, it kind of confirmed a lot of what we've already spoken about in the past and what of what we already know. But it's obviously important to just sort of refresh it and just kind of reconfirm our own thoughts on it with a with a big paper, obviously, which has gone through everything that's just come out. You know, so it's that, that's that's really good. Um, I mean, is there anything you want to add on that paper, Tom? Before we move on to the next one. No, just to just to reaffirm that um, I really like that. It just says that you there's lots of different ways to skin a cat. Basically, obviously there is a difference between strength and hypertrophy. Although they do go hand in hand with each other. When it comes to things like rep ranges as well, just to quickly mention, you know, like you can get there's different kinds of strength. So, for example, there's like maximal full strength. You know, where it's like doing very low reps at a very heavy weight. But you can also get strong in the sense that, okay, well, in the last podcast, we talk, talked about, uh, you know, strength endurance. muscular endurance. Yeah, strength endurance, sorry. Where, okay, well, I'm strong in the sense that I can pick this fin up over and over again for 10 reps, let's say. You can build muscle in all those rep ranges. Obviously, one might be slightly more advantageous, also known as the high rep range, um, than doing the load. But you get, once again, a lot of paths to get to the same destination it hasn't got to be either or. You can mix it up. Basically, 
the, the key thing is whatever the combination is it's going to be better than doing nothing so don't worry if you're un- still a bit unsure if you go into the gym and you're a bit unsure just by messing around and doing some weights you're gonna it's gonna be better than you doing nothing so you will see some sort of progress so don't fear that you're doing something completely wrong whatever you're doing is going to be better than doing nothing and then over time you'll learn and you'll develop and that's just how things go in anything in life isn't it the more you do it the better you get it so you know take your time to have some fun really what we'll do now is we'll move on to the next paper so we're going to get a bit more specific now that was obviously quite an overarching paper this one's a bit more um what's i said yeah specific really um, we're going to start with the speed of reps so the paper is titled intentionally slow concentric velocity resistance exercise and strength adaptations a meta analysis um tom talk us through it because you remember you sent this one in the old dms and it did look quite interesting yeah this was an interesting one actually uh so first let me actually just quickly mention the authors you've already said the title so yeah just because i've got a cool last name i've got to say it's by hermes and a colleague um so this paper stood out to me because i have seen once again a fair bit of discussion on, at the moment on social media and also in the place i work mm. certain pts are purposely trying to coach their clients to do slow concentric movements when lifting weights. Do you want to, do you want to quickly explain what that is, just for people who aren't, or people might not be aware? Yeah. So with exercises, uh, resistance training, let's say, when you pick something up and put it back down again, let's break it down to two movements: the concentric phase and the eccentric phase. So the concentric phase is when your muscles shorten to pick the fin up, basically. And then the eccentric phase is when the muscles lengthen. So, for example, a bicep curl, when I'm pulling the bar up towards me, that is the concentric phase. When I'm letting the bar go low down, that is the eccentric phase. Same thing with a deadlift. As I'm coming up, that's the concentric. As I'm lowering, that's the eccentric. Same thing with a squat. As I'm squatting up, that is the concentric. As I'm lowering, that's the eccentric. It gets a bit tricky because it does depend on your goals here. Now, once again, we're talking from the space of strength and hypertrophy. This paper looks specifically at strength, right? And it basically summarizes that if you want to get stronger, you purposely want to go fast on the concentric part of the exercise. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you was doing a bicep curl, you want it to come up powerful. And if you want to let it come down a little bit slower, you know, go for it. Same thing with a squat. If you want to come up and you want to get, sorry, if you want to get stronger, you want to actually come up fast and powerful. We have something called the false velocity curve, which is more on the side of strength and conditioning. If you're a CrossFit as well, you might know of it. Um, the false colo- the false the false velocity curve is basically an inverse relationship where, for example, if we was doing a one rep max and a deadlift, and it was extremely heavy, right? You have to produce a lot of force to get that bar up, but the velocity is probably going to plummet. So when you see someone doing a one rep max, it's slow, isn't it? Slow, Yeah, of course it is, yeah. But that's not them intentionally doing it slow. That's Mm. not them saying, yeah, I'm going to take six seconds to get this (laughs) bar off the floor. It's because they've got, (laughs) it's hard. They they can't help. They've got that external resistance going against them. They they, they are genuinely trying to get that bar up off the ground as quick as possible, Mm. but the velocity is just plummeting. Despite them producing so much force. But then on the lower end of things, we've got it where there isn't as much external load. Like we're still producing force, but we can be quick with it. The velocity is very high. So, for example, plyometrics. 
Yeah, yeah, sure. That's a good you know, and you can meet in the middle as well. So, for example, um, okay, if we start to look at kind of like the ollie lifts, where you can use, you're not going to use your one rep max on a deadlift to do a snatch. No, no. <laughs> but no. it's going to kind of meet in the middle where like you're still producing high amounts of force, mm. but it can be, it's a lot faster than your traditional deadlift. Yeah, sure. Yeah, because it's explosive, isn't it? It's meant to be, yeah, it's meant to be rapid, isn't it? So there's the discussion behind <clears throat> hypertrophy where, oh, well, surely if I do my reps slow, there's going to be more time under tension. So surely that's going to, add, and because that, people see that as one of the main driving forces of building muscle, surely the slower I go with my reps, the more muscle I'm going to build. There could be an argument to say possibly on the eccentric phase of the exercise. Yeah. However, I've not really seen any compelling exercise, uh, sorry, any kind of compelling evidence to the say it's like an absolute must-do, you know, compared to just like the traditional taking two seconds lower. But the thing is, if you are purposely slowing down on the hardest part of the exercise, which is the concentric, you're literally just hindering your performance. Yeah. And I have seen it in the gym I work in where a PT has gone up to, you know, doing the older, giving people advice when they've not asked for it. Oh, why don't you try this with your bicep curls? Go slow instead. Yeah, mind-muscle connection. Yeah, ooh, cool, wicked. Now, look, I think slow eccentrics can be useful and slow concentrics as well if you're getting new to an exercise. And it's not going to be, you know, max because it's something new and you're getting used to a movement. So, for example, if I'm teaching a deadlift at first... I might teach it nice and slow because people get a bit of an awareness of what's going on. They get to find their balance, etc. But once they've become accustomed to it, right, okay, I want you to drag this up your legs as quick as possible. And then you can come down nice and smooth on the way down. So I'll basically read out the practical applications for this paper. Improvements in muscular strength are often a desired outcome of resistance training. Furthermore, Resistance training velocity is an easily modifiable variable that can be adjusted in most settings without the need for specialised equipment. As such, the result of this analysis demonstrates the substantial influence resistance training velocity has on strength adaptations, with fast or traditional velocities improving strength to a significantly greater degree than intentionally slow velocities. This finding was demonstrated across training status age for apparently healthy individuals with untrained, trained, older and younger individuals realising larger magnitudes of strength adaptation with faster resistance training velocities. Intentionally slow velocities sacrifice both force and velocity, which would likely have a negative influence on the realised power adaptations. When concentric resistance training velocities exceed two seconds or unintentionally slow in nature, strength adaptations are smaller. Resistance training velocity must be considered by coaches and practitioners if strength is a desired outcome, sorry, a desired training outcome because a clear difference in strength adaptation magnitudes was noted when comparing faster and slower resistance training velocities. So in summary, if you were lifting weights, you purposely want to go fast on the concentric. Mm -hmm. Now, just because it's slowing down doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing it on purpose. It just means that the heavy load is making it fast. But either way, you are purposely trying to go as fast as possible. <clears throat> you're trying to generate force quickly because yeah, exactly then you're promoting that. those adaptations, which are going to help you when it slows down. So it makes exactly complete that. sense. Yeah, no. But sadly, you've got kind of like... The optimal bros at my gym who've had a couple of mm -hmm. shit coaching courses saying, yeah, my muscle connection needs to go slow on every rep. 
you know, both eccentric and concentric. And you don't need to. I, I want to just add a little devil's advocate there on, on, the, on the eccentric, sorry. One sort of thing I could see it being useful for is if you're limited on, let's say you've got a certain weight dumbbell or even a resistance band, for example, and let's say you're doing, I don't know, you're doing bent over rows. If we're telling you to get, for example, in a hypertrophy setting to get close to failure, if you've only got a certain weight and it's going to take you ages to get there because you've got to do so many reps, if you do a slow eccentric, that can increase the fatigue quicker to save you to do so many reps. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a no, that's fair enough. Because it's quite easy to lose focus if you just keep pumping out 30, 40 reps. If you slow it down, it becomes more fatiguing quickly, so you end up doing less reps. It's a little bit easier to focus. Yeah. But once again, this comes down to what the purpose of the training is purpose for. Purpose of the training If it's is, for yeah. strength... You obviously need a heavier dumbbell. You want to be fast, <laughs> you know. <laughs> You yeah, want to have con- that need con- speed. concentric, yeah. Eccentric is obviously different, yeah, okay. Obviously concentric, oh, uh, there doesn't seem to be an argument for doing that slowly. Um. <laughs> but even then, even then, if you have got a suitable amount of weight that you know is going to take you to failure within a reasonable rep range, mm-hmm. yeah. then you probably don't need to slow it down slow your on purpose. But no. yeah, as you said, you can manipulate it depending on, you know, your needs. So if you've only got access to, I don't know, what was it the jennifer aniston dumbbells <laughs> yeah fucking eight kilos and there's no that. way you're going to get to failure in a 15 yeah. rep range yeah then okay fair enough maybe you've got to purposely cause that distress by going slow on the eccentric and yeah. maybe the concentric okay just we, as we just touched on time there i think this is a good uh good one to move on to um mm-hmm. that is a study which could potentially help you save some time so title of this study is effects of drop sets on skeletal muscle hypertrophy a systematic review and major analysis and i'm not sure if you looked at this before um tom you thought you think we have but i think it's still worth mentioning again i think we look i can't confirm it it's quite new i though, think isn't it? we have but it's very likely i might have dreamt it yeah I mean, yeah maybe i don't know either way it's it's still quite useful to touch on so no 100 Drop sets is what it's talking about. We'll probably start by saying what a drop set is. Basically, the way I would describe it is, let's say we'll take the bicep curls. It's always a good one to go for. <laughs> let's say you're doing bicep curls on a cable machine. You would start on weight X. You would do as many reps as you can until you fail, and then you drop the weight. And you go yeah. again, and then you drop the weight. And you normally do it like, well, I'd say about three, four times maybe. Um, I'd say four sets would be a good one. Yeah, there. four sets. Yeah, so you basically choose a weight, do it until you fail, then drop the weight. And that's why it's called a drop set because you're going yeah. down. Okay. Um, so this paper basically looked at that. Uh, they compared it to traditional methods. So you, the stuff we've kind of been talking about, your normal sort of rep and set ranges. When we look at kind of how it compared, the key thing really is there was no significant difference in hypertrophy measurements between the drop set and those tradi- traditional uh, training groups. But the reason we talked about saving time is that they noted that some of the drop set modalities took half to one third of the time compared with traditional training. It to make sense, because, rest periods. absolutely, because as I was literally about to say that sometimes when you do your near the gym, you might find yourself sitting there for a few minutes going, just twiddling your thumbs, waiting to start your next set. Whereas a drop set, obviously you have a, you have a rest between your sets, but yeah. like if you do more than one drop set, for example, but normally you just bang them out. You do your four sets straight off the bat to failure and that's it and you're done. It, I mean, it might not seem like a lot, but if you was resting, I'm, I'm going to use your example, you know, particularly on the cable stack machine as well. So yeah, let's say you're doing four sets of bicep curls on the cable stack machine and you're 
you're doing it the, the, the traditional way with rests in between. If you was having, let's say, 90 seconds two, minutes. rest or... Yeah, two, two minutes. minutes. Two minutes, nice, easy, nice, easy. Max. Yeah, let's say if you was having two minutes between each set, it all adds up. Because mm-hmm. bearing in mind, you've also got other exercise, exercises to do in the bag as well. You know, so let's it say, all what's adds that? up. Six, what's that, six minutes? Yeah, about six minutes. Yeah. Let's say you've got a few ex- a few exercises to do. That's going to that's gonna be taking... That could, that could take a half an hour plus of wasted time Ex- just resting. Easily. But if you're doing just drop sets, you've got no rest. <laughs> you're just literally going if from it was, set to If set. just for that one exercise, it yeah. was giving you, it taking up six minutes of rest, but you actually had four exercises in total to do, each with their Ooh. own, you know, sets and their own rest periods, you know, it all adds yeah. up. But, you know, suddenly you're doing a drop set where, have you even explained what a drop set is yet? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I explained it. Yeah, you did. Didn't you? Sorry. Yeah. Then, yeah, it wipes out the rest periods. And do you know what? Um, this is. This is why I like things like uh, the multi-cable machine. I like um, which people attach the rope to and stuff and where it's like a pin that you can just change the weight stack on. People can technically do this on the barbell. They can yeah, do it with dumbbells. Yeah, just a bit longer in it, a bit more. But a bit it's more a fucking required. pain in the ass. And like sometimes it does happen where you might have your eyes on, oh, I'm going to take those dumbbells. As soon as I'm done with this set, then someone comes and takes them. Yeah, you don't want to be you don't so want that guy who takes yeah. like six sets of dumbbells. And you don't want to be that person that's got six sets of exactly that six sets of dumbbells or yeah, loads of plates. Like, oh, yeah. You know, just going with a stack. Cables in and is a really good option. Yeah, yeah. It's like things like like the leg press machine. Obviously, all the all the machi- yeah. machine. We're actually going to talk about machines in a second, but ah, uh, oh, I don't want to spoil it. But I can't <laughs> I don't spoil it. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. hold of, you, hold yourself, Thomas. One of the benefits, kind of here, one of the benefits for machines is that. Some people might feel more inclined to truly go towards failure on them, yeah. as opposed to free weights, because it is a machine. And like, what's the worst that's going to happen? You're just going to come down on the machine rather than guillotine yourself. But, but for drop sets, they are absolutely brilliant because they're so and, easy. To um, yeah, like uh, you are going to absolute failure at the end mm. of the day, so it can be useful. But I've had it where I've been training clients and I've gone a bit over time with what I plan on doing. And it's like, shit, I'm about to miss out this whole exercise here. Bang a quick so, drop set. Yeah, so like, right, fuck it. I'm about to teach you a drop set. It's not superior, by the way. It's not superior to traditional training. And I'd also argue that sometimes, obviously, if you're going to failure every time, let's say you do this every session every week, you're going to failure all the time. You might end up doing a bit too much. Like, yeah, yeah. You might find yourself getting a bit beat up because you're going to fail. And you as we said earlier, you don't have to go to failure all the time, really. So, but the, the reason I'd use a drop set in this, in the, obviously, if we look at this paper, is it's a time saver, really. Yeah, because exactly. you're not, you're not going to lose anything. You're not. It's not going to be superior, but in terms of time, it is going to be superior because you can do it a lot quicker. Um, I tell you what, though, I would happily go to failure on it all the time on something like an isolation exercise. Yeah, like a bicep. Normally, they are used in those situations, aren't they? You wouldn't, you wouldn't, te- you wouldn't typically drop set a deadlift. <laughs> I've not seen it done very often. I mean, I, I have seen it, and uh, yeah. I think I've done it before, maybe like years ago. I might ago. have done it once or twice, yeah, but But it's to not be honest with you, I saved my deadlifts for like proper training you yeah, know like going training, yeah. all the way to failure unless i'm doing like that calibration like i mentioned earlier but i think you think your isolation stuff you you know you try uh, tricep fucking push downs and your bicep curls and you know, the thing of leg press maybe leg curls whatever these are all good things for drop uh, for drop sets just want to say go on. this is not the same as back offsets technically so you might have heard something called back offsets as well yeah now a back offset might be kind of like a drop set in the sense that you build up to mm. a very heavy set yeah 
and whatever RP you want that to be, it could be RP 9, 9.5, might even be a 10, I don't know. And then you take off a significant amount of weight so that it brings that RP back within range, you know. But the whole idea isn't that you're doing it to failure again. It's that you're getting to close to very close to failure on that very first set off to failure and you're taking a big chunk of weight off and then you're doing your actual working sets at a slightly lower weight whereas with a drop set every set is going to failure pretty much actually yeah i mean that kind of reminds me of kind of what i did today in the gym actually it's it's a bit obviously so no so i did a thing where basically (laughs) you build up to i was doing some snatch work you build up to a heavy single of the complex i was doing nearly failing so i'd get support i've nearly failed and then i'll strip it back to a certain percentage of whatever that weight was and i'll do then i'll do more reps at that weight yeah. over a, over a time period so that's kind of what you were saying there you bring it back to a manageable rpe well, yeah. i'm not gonna be failing but you do it a bit more you know but just to, just to keep going essentially so so some people might do it the opposite way where they do it like a pyramid where they build yeah. They keep fatiguing themselves until they hit yeah. that very heavy set. Whereas that, and then is, they come back no, you again. go to the top set, then yeah. you drop down. Once again, all different tools. Great option if you are short on time. Um, yeah, very much so. And if we can, if we if we kind of tackle that, uh, sorry, if we add that onto super set earlier study, a couple of times a week. Yeah, you can just drop yeah. <laughs> drop set your exercise. You, you that's the you. Could, I'm sure people out there can maybe find a day or two a week. Hopefully, I'm so sure that there is a paper out there. I'm so sure where pretty much the frequency of training was one day a week and they one literally week, had yeah. someone performing yeah, a drop no, set and they, and they, they actually made games yeah, out they actually found, Yeah, they said it. They Didn't they say that a single set to failure a week was good enough to elicit some 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 gains? Or at least maintain. Or maintain, yeah. So it was, there is, there is hope. There is ways to do it. There's hope for people short on time, that's what we're saying. So don't think, don't think. Oh, can only get to the gym once a week or twice a week. Well, what we're telling you now, guys, is that even with that short, you know, that that low frequency, there's still high potential there for for gains in the muscle and strength department. So don't fear. Right. Uh, we just mentioned machines there. So what we'll do is we'll move on to the final piece of um, data that we looked at in this muscle building, strength building special. Um, and it's a question we've looked at before. It's free weight versus machines. So the new science is effect of free weight versus machine-based strength training on maximal strength, hypertrophy, and jump performance. Once again, it's a systematic review and major analysis. So we've got a lot of big papers this week. Um, key points, as we've kind of been going through. Basically, it echoes kind of what we said before, isn't it, Tom? If you want to, if, if your goal is to maximize strength, the choice so if you decide to choose free weights so let me just quickly rewind free weight would be if you grab a barbell um and you start doing or you can use bicep curls again if you start doing bicep curls with a barbell in your hand or some dumbbells in your hand that'd be free weights but if you went to the cables that'd be machine that'd be a machine based option or i don't know if you go to do some squats in the rack barbell squats free weight if you go to the smith machine obviously that gives the clues in the name there it's a machine Right, so it's a little bit different. But the difference between, so the choice you make between whether you decide to use, you know, the cable machine or the dumbbells, it's going to be based on individual preference. So if your goal is to maximize strength, it's based down to your preference. Obviously, the principle of specificity applies. Um, So you should choose the exercise you want to be stronger in. For example, if you want to, I don't know, have a really heavy bicep curl, 
you probably want. No, I'm just going to keep using. If you I want know, a really, really heavy, going for bicep curls. If you week. want a really heavy barbell bicep curl, the chances are you're probably going to spend more time doing barbell bicep curls as opposed to cable bicep curls. You know what I mean? Because it's more specific to your overall goal. But essentially, it's kind of what you want, really. I mean, <laughs> they do really kind of go. Ha- they can help each other. Yeah, you know, sure. They can go hand in hand. It's changeable. So. It's not one or it's not either or. Yeah. You can kind of move between the two. Barbell like squats can help out your leg press. Your leg press can help out your barbell squats. However, it feels like when I'm in my ladies' barbell class and they start asking me, uh, you know, what's better, machines or yeah. you know, barbells. Um, take an knee, ladies. Exactly what you just said. Like, if, yeah, take an knee. <laughs> I've not done that yet. <laughs> um, I might start doing it actually. It might come across a bit inappropriate, though, if you start telling a bunch of ladies to take a knee. Take a knee. <laughs> yeah, God, it might, yeah. Where's this going? Yeah. So, yeah, like, if your goal was you want to get strong at a specific lift, whether it be the machine or the barbell, exactly like what you said with the bar, bar, barbell uh, curl, then you probably want to spend more time doing that. So, for example, like, look, if you... Even like what type of equipment you use. So even if we were just sticking with free weights, like for example, with the with, with the army, they have the um the deadlift test. Yeah, that's machine, don't they? For that, you know, hmm. uh, either the machine or if you're a reservist, it might be that racket old trap bar that they've had for the past four hundred <laughs> yeah. years. The hex bar, uh, yeah. <laughs> where half of it's worn away. Then, like, okay, you could probably still do it with a straight bar, you know, and that will cross over to yeah, the trap bar some, deadlift, yeah. but. If you have got the option of doing a trap bar deadlift, then you know you're probably best off just if if you're really struggling with it. I mean, I hope you're not struggling with it, you know, because no one should be struggling at the weight you've got to do. But um, if you are struggling with it, God forbid, then you probably want to spend as much time with the actual trap bar that you're probably going to be using, you know. And it's the same thing with like if your goal is to you really want to impress the gym normies and see how heavy you can leg press at. a quarter rep range then you're probably best off doing more kind of leg presses at quarter rep range than, than doing barbell squats yeah you know? when it, it comes to muscle it depends on your goals are doesn't it yeah exactly when it comes to muscle both are fine Rogue. as well yeah I think I was going to say when it comes to just building muscle generally it's kind of preference for you really yeah I'd, I'd, I would say well I'd speculate really a combination would yes. probably result in a more complete effect but that's not me saying, oh, you have to do that. I'm just saying, if you know, that would be my recommendation. But if you were, if you're someone who just only likes using machines, you are still going to get some great some great adaptations from that. There's this belief that free weights are superior because they activate more muscle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is like a bit of an old wives' tale, you know. Um, as exactly like what you said there, Bill. You know, a bit of both, and kind of going back to what I spoiled earlier in the previous discussion. You might find that machines might be a really good um, way to kind of purposely max out in that higher rep in that higher RPE range. So I might find that do you know what, sod it. If I'm going to be doing sets of five or sets of eight on the squats or a remaining deadlift, you know, yeah, I'm going to stick to like my free weights for that because I can get a nice bit of strength out of that as well. If I want to go to my higher rep range to failure stuff, like I'm going to be doing sets of I don't know. 10 or 12 on the leg press you know reps then i'm probably yeah leg press will probably be a good like a uh, version of that because i'm not going to get freaked out by being under a bar no because 
if, you, if you've ever been in the bottom of a hole of a squat, it's not the nicest place to be. You kind of talk yourself out of it, don't you? Like, mm, maybe this is an RP8, maybe. That's what I was gonna, literally going to say. Sometimes, this is why a combination is so useful, because let's all be honest with ourselves. When you're doing something like a barbell back squat, there is that bit of fear which might creep in when you get towards the higher RPEs that you might not actually be getting that close to failure as you think. But because you start to feel really heavy and you're starting to get really slow out of the hole, you're worried that you're going to get stuck and you know fail the rep. So you, you stop the rep early. Whereas Just to leg clarify, press, you're more you likely may to not hold be on. like this. You may no, be an absolute might, no. lunatic. Yeah, you might be. A, yeah, you might, <laughs> you might be. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be an either or. You know, you can have different kind of strategies depending on what the objective is. But yeah, um, I mean, look for my like mixed hypertrophy programs. I, I I do that in the lower rep ranges. I will tend to kind of like focus more on the free weight kind of stuff. Yeah, you know. But if it's like I'm getting to go a bit crazy on an AMRAP, I might get them on the leg press. You know, or I might get them on the some... press. Yeah, why not? It's literally a drop set, but with rest in between. It's just going to failure each time. You know, why not? I mean, guys, after all that, if you're not already changing into gym gear to go do some bicep curls, I don't know what will convince you to do bicep curls. Some bicep drop set, yeah. In a cable machine. You could do the curls whilst you're doing your leg press. <laughs> You could actually it'd be quite <laughs> difficult, but yeah, you could do, couldn't you? <laughs> I've seen it done. Yeah, don't don't be that person. There are actually, no, that reminds me. There are people. This got a bit off tangent here, but there yes, are there people. Are people. Who, no, there are people. Yeah, but there's a, there is like a sort of a camp of people who love to sort of do exercises simultaneously. Do you know what I mean? So they'll do like they'll drop into a lunge and start doing some curls, and then they'll. Do you know what I mean? Once again, this is something I see a lot of PTs at my gym mm. doing. Um, I, I'm sure their heart is in the right place, but I think it's just where they have a lack of confidence of making an exercise meaningful in regards to increasing the load and making it difficult via that external resistance. They'd rather just kind of like make it difficult by getting you to perform more kind of movements in one go. Yeah, and I, I think, think I if think your right. goal is just to, I just want to get out and about and move and do some it's fun than things and it's, go for it. It's better than nothing, yeah. But you're trying to, you know, you're you're trying, yeah, you're jazzing up for yeah. unnecessary reasons. Yeah, unnecessarily, yeah, you're jazzing up for the sake of the spectacle. You're trying to make it seem more exciting. I've seen it where, you know, I, I see people paying for the service of stepping up onto a stepper whilst holding an empty body part, but uh, body pump bar. And lifting it up over their heads, and it's like you're paying someone for this. Okay, you do you, you do you, hun. But I think that's the I think that's the trainer that's at fault there. Cool guys, well, uh, we'll we'll wrap it up there. I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, nothing really to add on that, isn't there? Lots of lots of papers to look into. Of course, they'll all be linked down below in the show notes. As will a space where our fantastic producers Jenny and Colleen live well, they don't live there they don't live in our little Patreon feed <laughs> we've just got like trapped them in a cage and they're just like little, little Patreon like some goblins some Mirror episode <laughs> yeah just there just running, running the show from behind the scenes as a little cage no but of course Jenny and Colleen are our producers of the, the show they are over at Patreon as is the other patrons uh, very much appreciate your guys support uh, week yeah. in week out helps with the running cost of the podcast and you also get to see a lovely video every week of me and tom with all the behind the scenes you get to see me fucking up the script um but yeah guys down in the show notes obviously with all the, the studies that you can look at as well there is a link to that patreon so if you are able to do so it'd be really nice if you could go over there and support us it does help quite a lot especially if you're enjoying the podcast because obviously we do this you know week in week out obviously mm. we don't expect anything but 
it's always nice, isn't it? It is nice. It is nice. Be nice to receive a bigger check every month, but you know that's just me. Or at least a box of Quality Street. <laughs> a box of fucking Quality. To be fair, mate, the price of those these days, geez, we need more than a few patrons. Well, apparently they're bringing the coffee one back. Oh, well, I'm not very excited about that. I am. Oh, yeah. right. <laughs> Listen, Christmas is coming up. This house is about to be fucking offloaded with quality streets. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, yeah, awesome, guys. Um, <clears throat> for all of you that are going to go over to Patreon, um, watch the video. Yes, I am in bed. And yes, my hair is wet. And that's what I've really got to say on that. Didn't need to know that, but okay. Just thought I'd let them know in case they go over there and go, what the fuck am I watching? And yes, Tom is vaping like a fucking goblin. Yeah, I, I am. I am. All of this can be seen at patreon.com slash podcast. Links down below, but yeah. That's it, it lights really. up as well, almost like it's a fidget spinner for nicotine addicts. Oh, brilliant. We do not endorse the use of any nicotine-based products, even though we did do a podcast saying how they are quite effective They're quite effective stimulants. But that's another episode of the Fitness News, which you'll have to go and listen to. Don't be vaping in the squat rack. <laughs> it's uh, It's been a pleasure as always. And we were actually, well, rewind. Tom, you did the intro. You can do the fucking outro. Give it to me. Have I got a script for this? Well, yeah. It's I always have. on the note. Right, it's only two lines. Don't fuck this up. Uh, pleasure it has been, uh, as <laughs> always. Oh, fuck. I fucked it already. Sound like Yoda. <laughs> yeah, come on. Come on Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking goblin. Right, here we go. It's been a pleasure as always, and we will see you next week. Same time, same place for some more fitness news. See you soon. I even see? use the same breakups that you do. We tried to, yeah. The thing is, you're supposed to let me actually say see you soon before fucking going off on one. Do you want me to redo it? Yeah, do it again, mate. Fuck's sake. The listeners deserve better. It's been a pleasure, as always. It all like Trevor McDonald now. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> fucking <laughs> phone me off now. Come on, Trevor. <laughs> it's been a pleasure, as always. And we will see you next week. Same time, same place for some more fitness news. I'm getting the word. Nonce. <laughs> <laughs> See you soon. <laughs> <laughs>